Grizzlies select John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge next game, you hear me? All right, everybody, welcome in to another episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Greasy Bear Blues Podcast Network. This week, I am joined by Xavier Dotson, who is also somebody who works on the Greasy Bear Blues Podcast Network for the Core 4 Podcast. Xavier, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm honored to be a guest, a part of your podcast. I'm a huge listener. I've been supporting you for a while, so it's a, it's a big privilege right now to be working with you right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, honestly, if, if you can talk about me on Twitter, but I know for you, it's TikTok. If anybody says they'll say I'm the one that has the most Twitter followers, but I'm I think you have the most TikTok followers out of anybody that works with SB Nation. And I don't think I because what, what are you at now? 10K? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just hit the I just passed the 10K threshold this past month in October. It's been a journey. I just started it earlier this year taking this series and now yeah i've reached out to 10k i got a community out there and oh man it's it's a lot of fun yeah that that tiktok grind is something different because just the video content creation is so different than podcasting and stuff like twitter and stuff like that uh but the the main topic for this show is the return of jaron jackson jr we saw him come back on tuesday's game against the pelicans and there was some good some bad all in all uh, I'll start with what I saw just physically. I think that he, the number one thing I'll say, he didn't look he had any kind of limp. Uh, he, he was moving around very well. He was moving the same way we've seen Jaron move in the past. And I think that was the most promising thing. Uh, definitely going to need to get back into, not that he's not in shape. I think he's in shape, but there's like a different level of shape that you get into once you get into the kind of flow of a season. I think we've seen all the guys kind of get into that, especially like when you saw them in that first back-to-back against the Mavericks compared to a back-to-back they had against the Celtics a couple weeks ago. Like the guys are finally back in that. We're playing multiple games a week shape. And I think it's going to take them some time to get back to that. But all in all, I think he looks, I think he looked good from a physical standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And I can agree with you. He did look good physically. Um, I mean, it's a difference from being an in-game shape than practice shape. So he does have to get in, back into the in-game shape. The groove was looking great. It sort of looked like he picked off where he left off from the playoffs. So it, it, it's no worries about that. Um, we know that uh, he's going to continue to get better better, and that minutes will increase. But as as far as phys- looking, looking out there physically, I'm happy what I saw in his results. I mean – he had a pretty decent game for his debut. I, I, I admit it's not something that, like, just astronomically high. But as far as being out for fifth, with, with 15 games, I'm happy to see that, especially coming back from a foot injury. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, that's the number one thing is that he looks healthy. And I think that's the, when you look at – and then you look at the way he played on defense too, which is what this team really needs is his defense. And I think you heard some of the guys kind of talk about it that – Everybody's been talking about how the Grizzlies have been overhelping a lot. I think I think every single person that covers the Grizzlies has put out at least some kind of content that says the Grizzlies are overhelping too much. And I think part of that is because they don't have Jaron there and they're so worried about 
people getting to the rim easily because they don't have that same rim protection. So I do think we saw a little bit of that with Jaron coming back, funneling stuff to him a little bit, uh, and having five blocks in the first game and contesting a lot of shots. And I think that's just going to help the Grizzlies' defense because their defense is not as bad as it has been to start the season. I don't I don't believe that. I think they're going to pick it up kind of the same way they did last year. And I think that Jaron coming back is going to help a lot with that. And I think you even saw that against the Pelicans, even though the Pelicans did kind of get hot at the end of the game there. Yeah, you could just tell, especially from the beginning, that the Grizzlies have improved their defense a little bit better. Um, guys are like, like a, a little bit more engaged. They're moving around more. And now you got bring Jaron back. I think a lot of people forget that Jaron, with Jaron out there, he's able to guard those smaller guards and being able to switch and play those positionless basketball. And that's going to help a lot. I'm I'm happy to see that. And then as well, like you were saying, Bryson, that just Jaron's present presence of being that intimidator and and being able to block those shots. Guys are going to think twice driving inside the paint and the overhelping will eventually stop. So we when we bring back Jaron and his full health, I'm pretty sure we're going to be a top 10 defense once again, like last year, and especially you want to be playing that heading towards the playoffs. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, definitely. That's the number one thing is that they're doing it once it gets around playoff time. Now, I will say the one thing that people are going to talk about for his first game – was offensively he did he was a little bit out of sorts at times. There's a couple drives where he didn't look as controlled as we've seen him in the past. Uh, one thing I would also say is I feel like they do need to make a little bit better of an effort getting him the ball when he does like seal off his guy in the post. That's something that I noticed he had a couple times uh, where maybe they could have found him, but it, that kind of forces him to shoot more threes when he doesn't get the ball like that, and then the shot isn't there yet. I think that's partly because of conditioning, partly because of a rhythm thing, because we've seen him, we've seen the kind of shooter that he can be. He's not an 0 for 8 from 3 guy every night. Like, that's just not how it's going to be. Uh, but what would you say is the most promising thing you saw from him on that side? And what do you think he's going to continue to improve on kind of from this first game? I, what really stuck out to me is just his aggression offensively. I'm proud of Knowing that he's been gone for so long, he still was being aggressive offensively, whether it was taking those shots. I know being 0 from 7 behind a three-point line, that looks bad. But guys coming back from being from a foot injury, like they sent, they tend to be a little bit passive. And you saw Jaron being aggressive, whether it was going, attacking the rim or shooting those threes. I'm, ha- I'm happy to see him at least trying and trying to find his rhythm. But I, I really want him to attack the round first and, like he was saying, find him at, at, at those seals so he can make those easy baskets first. And that will expand to his three-point game to, for the shots to start falling. Right now, when you're coming back from off the injury, especially like now we need him to be a vital point of the offense really pretty quickly. Like Because of Desmond Bang, he's out. That's our second-best scorer right now. So we sort of need Jaron offense. Pretty, we need him to catch up pretty quickly. So we need him to at least see shots falling so they can boost his confidence. And then from there, those three-point shots are going to start falling. I mean, we know he's not, like you said, an old from eight type of guy. He's made big shots in the past. He's been pretty big for the offense, especially this past season. 
and and even before that. And I'm looking forward for him and John Morant to create a, a relationship. Uh, now that Bang is going and you got Zaire that's out, it's those two again. And a lot of people forget prior, before the uh, Bang emergence of being that second guy, it was John and Jaren that, that was the two that was going to be the offensive guru of this team. Now, I mean, we, we have the, the emergence of Bang. I look to see that Jaron and Jock can establish relationship offensively and, and they can lead to something, something elite. And you throw Bane into the mix when he gets healthy, like, man, that could be unstoppable now. Yeah, definitely. And I, and like you said, we've seen it in the past with those two guys. Uh, I, I'd like to see them work the pick and roll a little bit more. I think that the two of them together can do that a lot. Uh, they usually like to go with Steven Adams in those pick and roll sets. I feel like most of the time, but I think it would be something that could get Jaron some easy buckets and kind of get him in a rhythm. And I think the two of them running that pick and roll is really deadly because when you have a guy that can shoot the way that Jaron has proven he can in the past, I mean, it's pretty hard to guard that pick and roll, especially when the point guard is as quick as Jai is. So I think that's something that I would like to see them do some more of uh, maybe in this next game that's coming up too. Uh, but I I do like what you said about the when Bane does come back because I think that's an interesting com- conversation that a lot of people have been having on who is going to be the true second option when everybody's fully healthy. Like obviously, it's never good to see somebody go down like when Desmond Bane goes down, but it's almost like it gives them a couple more weeks to figure out that that the answer to that question. So now we're going to have we're going to see what Jaron looks like as the true second option again uh, for sure before Bane gets back. So I don't know if maybe that'll help him get into a rhythm a little bit so that when Bane comes back, it's a little bit of a smoother transition. Uh, But also, I I don't know. I think they said he'll be Bane will be reevaluated in two to three weeks. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll be back in two to three weeks. But I'm I'm just hoping that he'll get back as soon as possible. Uh, but I mean, for now, you're looking at Jaron to be that second option at least until Bane comes back. Yeah, and, and I mean, and that's a lot for a guy who's just coming back from an injury. Asking for him to be the second second option right away, that's pretty big. I don't think that a lot of people understand the pressure that Jaron has right now to, to be the second option. They want him to be that twenty point scorer right away, in which. He's playing at a pitch count. I mean, Taylor Jenkins played him at 25 minutes the other night. So it's not like he's able to play a lot of minutes, and you don't want him to be to, to injure himself or get re-injured right away. So I think, um, I mean, we got to be cautious and, and at least take our time with Jaron and let him get, him get himself in a groove of things. It's not going to be perfect right away. Jaron isn't. He, I mean, as much as talented as Jaron is, he's not always going to be efficient every single night, and we know that. But Jaron's still vital for our, our offense. So I just want the Grizzlies to give him easy shots and not force him to be, okay, like we need you to drop 20 every single night because, I mean, we're missing Desmond Bain. And I, I think Taylor Jenkins and 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 John Miranda, everybody knows that they're not going to do that, and they're not not expecting Jaron to do that right now. So I think they're going to ease his way himself in, and then I think John is going to take a little bit more responsibility, especially with Bang being out. And then from there, Jaron's going to get more comfortable. He's going to make more shots, and we will see this offensive thrive. And hopefully, like I said, they become more of a duo 
and see what they're capable of while Bane's out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it th- that's going to be the big thing uh is his offense, but like I always say, I like they need him to be at least some somewhat efficient offensively, a little bit more efficient than he has been in the last couple years. But I've always said that regardless of what happens on offense, the Grizzlies are going to be better when he's on the court just simply because of what he does defensively. And I think that still is the biggest takeaway that I would have before we kind of move into a conversation about this upcoming game is that even if Jaron is not shooting the ball well like he ha- he didn't in that first game, just just having him on the court is going to be so much better for the Grizzlies going forward. And I think that it, it was clear even in that Pelicans game, uh, obvi- and in that fourth quarter when Jaron couldn't play the, the last stretch of the game, I think it definitely had an effect on the game as well. Yeah, I, I really was sort of frustrated that Taylor Jenkins didn't, manage his minutes correctly because I felt like he it was a crucial stretch those last four minutes that he should have played he could have made an impact defensively I mean we look Santi has filled that gap for Jaron I mean well I mean he's tried his best he's been great offensively but defensively Santi is I wouldn't say he's just like a huge liability but his instance isn't Jaron. Jaron would have made a difference immediately out there defensively, especially how Larry, Larry Nance was having a, a good night and he was dunking on Santi's heads, sadly. But I feel like Jaron would have made an impact right there. And, and that, that's exactly what we need. We need that defense for crucial games like that. And I think Jaron, like, as more time as more time passes, he's going to get more minutes and he's going to be able to finish the game. Yeah, for sure. And then, like, the last thing on this conversation is how the rotation is now going to change for the Grizzlies. Uh, The obvious thing you look at is Santi Aldama is moving out of the starting lineup back to the bench, which I think that's a more natural role for him. I think it can also give him some chances to have the ball in his hands a little bit more with that bench unit because he's going to be him and Tyus. And I think if you saw – uh, some of the stuff when he was on the hustle last season, they talked about he has the ability to be like a post playmaker that I feel like we haven't really gotten to see a lot of in that starting lineup just because you want Ja to have the ball so often and he's always controlling the pace of the game and stuff. And Santi was more of like a spot up shooter and I'm going to get offensive rebounds and putbacks and stuff like that, whether than really being a focal point. But I feel like with that bench unit, there could be a there's, there could be an opportunity for him to have like higher usage and be just used a little bit more offensively, even though he is probably still going to be getting a lot less minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, him going to the bench isn't a bad thing. We just saw Santi capable of starting. I mean, he's not just, you know, a star, of course, and I think he's just more of a role player right now. But, man, like, Santi had brought us some valuable minutes while – Jaron, Jaron was out, and um, I'm, like I, like you were saying, Santi coming off the bench, like we, we could see him being that playmaker, uh, what he did during the hustle during his time, and then as well, like we got another big body back now that Jaron's here. I wonder if he's going to be that backup center, plays back in that backup center like he was last year. It's going to be unique to see how Taylor Jenkins is going to to switch his lineups now that that um, that we got a big body back of Jaron. I know he's like I said, he's on a pitch count. Like he has a minute restriction. But I want to see sort of a of a big to big connection. I saw that like 
was it Steven Adams was throwing lobs to Santi at one point at, at time to time. I want to see a big to big connection. That could be something big right there. Like the how offense that could be easy offense to get Jaron going. Um, those easy lobs and, and, and being the threat. And but I think that like at the end of the games though. I want Jaron at the five with Brandon Clark out there because I feel like that's the most deadly line offensively and then defensively being able to switch and being able to move against those quicker teams and the teams that can go smaller. So you got a lot of different options now that Taylor Jenkins can run with Jaron being back. Yeah, definitely. And I think Jaron just makes them more versatile overall, uh, like you said, with the lineups because – like, you saw a lot of Brandon Clark playing the five, which did not have great results at times just because he's not really big enough to play the five. Uh, he is against some teams. It matters if they're playing a small ball lineup. But if they're playing a traditional center and you got Brandon Clark at the five, the center's usually going to be bigger than him. And we saw a little bit of, like, some offensive rebound problems. But with Jaron being able to now play the five, and like you said, Brandon Clark being strictly a four again, I think that's also going to be something that might be a little bit underrated right now that is going to help now that Jaron is back. Uh, it's just now everybody kind of gets to go back to playing their natural positions more often. Uh, and you don't have to rely on Brandon Clark getting minutes at the five and maybe some minutes as, with Santi at the five, but it's against other bench players instead of maybe down the stretch of a game if Steven Adams is out. It's like you just have another big body, which is something I think they definitely needed. And I think they're definitely going to need it in the game against the Thunder coming up because Shea Gilgis Alexander has been on a heater the last three games. He has been uh, – he's hit multiple game winners, if if I'm correct. And his last three games, he has scored over 30 in all those games, including – a 42 point game in his last uh his last game against the Wizards. So his last three games 37 37 and 42. Uh so I'll start with this. What are the Grizzlies going to do to try to slow him down? Man, you just hope Dylan Brooks is ready for the challenge. I mean, you know he's going to be ready for the challenge. That's Canada versus Canada right there. So DB ready for that. But man, SGA is just decimating teams right now, To really, to be honest. It, it, it doesn't matter who's out there guarding them because I'm pretty sure during practice, he got Lou Dort guarding him. And Lou Dort, one of the best perimeter, perimeter defenders out there in the league right now, and shoot. So SGA is just a, a, a crafty, talented, skillful bucket getter. And it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, as much as I want to say how are the Grizzlies going to – Stop him. You want to put Dylan Brooks in a situation to, to, to really guard him because he has the length. And Shea Gilders Alexander is a big guard. A lot of people don't know about that. He has the skill and the length. And another thing about Shea is he plays at his own pace. It's a, sort of an unorthodox pace. He's not quick, but he's not slow. But at the same time, he's going to get to the rim and he's going to find a way to get to the rim. So, a lot of like a lot of teams do against Ja. You want sort of want to build a wall because you look at his efficiency. He's not killing you behind a three point line. He's scoring inside the paint and in the mid range. So you want to force him to shoot, either shoot threes, in which he can shoot the three ball, but he's not effective out there. 
but you want to make it harder for him to get to the rim in which, I mean, you got Jaron back now. So you got the length that's going to be able to, 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 to throw him off. And so I'm, I'm ready to see this, like this Shea versus child matchup, man, that's a, <laughs> that's going to be fun, man. And it's, it's been a lot of talk on Twitter right now asking who's better. So we're, we're going to see right here. Yeah, I, d- I did see that. And obviously, I feel like both of us will say Ja, but I think we all have, I mean, we have a vetted interest in the team too. Uh, but, I mean, I love the way that Shea's been playing this year. I mean, dude dude has been hooping. It's not even a question. Uh, b- game winners in multiple games already this season. Uh, and he's he's a three-level scorer. I know you said that the three-point is, like, if, if you can take away something, you want to take away his inside and mid-range because that's where he's most efficient. But I think he's shooting close to 40% from three this year now, too. So that's another thing. It's kind of one of those same things with Ja where he's doing the same thing, and they've both kind of increased their shooting splits. And I think both of them, I mean, it's two of the best young guards in the NBA. Very exciting matchup. And I think it's something that everybody should be excited for. Uh, and I think two really good young teams in the West. Uh, obviously, the Grizzlies are a little bit further ahead of where the Thunder are at. But with all those first round picks and stuff that they're going to have, these are two teams that are poised poised to kind of compete in the future uh, down the line. And I think that with the kind of the pieces that the Thunder have, uh, even another guy that I really like, one of the sneaky, really good players in the league with Josh Giddy. I think he's he's been pretty good to start this season. I think he's averaging like 14.7 boards. I mean, he's he's been doing pretty good. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Uh, number one thing I'm going to be looking for is like perimeter defense too. The Thunder aren't a huge three-point shooting team, but neither, neither were the Pelicans, and they just got torched by them. So that's the number one thing I'm going to be looking for too is perimeter defense, not just on Shea, but on everybody else, because they, they do have some guys that can shoot the three out there. Uh, and I'm also, something else I'm going to look out for, well, I'll ask you about this, is Lou Dort. Do you think they're going to try to put Lou Dort on on Ja? I think that we might see that at times start the game. I know he's probably a little bit too slow, but I think he is the best defender on the team. So I think we're going to see it at least at times. Yeah, most definitely Lou Dort is going to be guarding Ja Morant. Uh, uh, Lou Dort always try to guard the best perimeter opposing perimeter players. So Lou Dort is most definitely guarding Ja. I think Ja might have a. It's not might. He's going to have the upper hand because he has the speed, but he still has to be cautious because once Lou Dort gets going defensively, uh, it's, it's he. He reminds me of a sense like a young Avery Bradley because you don't want Avery Bradley to to really get himself going assertive defensively because it's going to be hard to get around him. He's going to have you in the jailhouse. Um, but, yeah, I want to see what uh, how uh, John Morant is going to attack Lou Dort downhill because I think that's the, the big advantage that Ja has. You got the, the downhill speed, and I think he can be able to maneuver the pick and rolls and being able to, to snake the pick and rolls and get to his spots and do the floater. Because, for one, OKC does not have any rim protection. He be, he should be able to get to the paint easily. They won't right now. What the what the Thunder is going to want John Morant to do is to shoot the threes and to settle for threes and mid ranges. In which I mean, we know John Morant is one of the league leaders in scoring inside the paint. He's not going to settle. So I feel like we're going to take advantage of that. And then, like you were saying, I want them to be be cautious of them not being for uh, for the Thunder to shoot threes 
I'm they're not a great three point shooter, but man, shoot shooting team. But man, like when you got guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander going off for thirty to forty every single night, you know we're gonna draw draw in on them, and then he's gonna start kicking the ball out. And once they start making shots behind the three point arc, man, we just saw what happened with us against the Pelicans. We don't want that to repeat to happen again. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And then uh, one more thing I will say is I would look for Steven Adams to be very important in this game because the Thunder do not have a real center like that they that they play a lot. I mean, they, they talk uh, Pokrashevsky, but Steven Adams is the strongest dude in the league. And not to say that Pokrashevsky can't be a good player down the line, but physically he cannot match up with Steven Adams. So I think we're right. going to see a lot of offensive rebounds, uh, and really him controlling the boards. This is a game where I think he's going to be big. And also, I would also look for Jaron to be big, too, just because it is his second game back. And like I said, it's going to be hard for them to really match up with Jaron as well. Uh, I think that they're going to have a, a massive mismatch on the interior, and I kind of want to see them take take advantage of that like they did last year in, in games like this. And we do have to mention, obviously, the team is way different, uh, but we're not expecting the same thing that happened last year to happen. We're not expecting a 72-point uh, victory for the Grizzlies in this game. Uh, I think I think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, honestly, this is this will be a game that I think would be sneaky good enough to put on TV like ESPN or something if the Thunder were a little bit better just because of the Shea and Ja matchup to start. But I, I'm really excited for this game. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this positive, this possibly could be a national televised game because you got two crazy score backcourts. I mean, point guards of Shea and Ja, um, and then as well. I mean, they're both young teams, but I mean, Oklahoma they've been sort of. I wouldn't say they're contending, or but they they have a pretty decent record. A lot of people thought that they would be tanking for <laughs> Victor Wembanyama, but Shea Gilders Alexander is like, nah, we're not doing that. I'm getting buckets right now, and he's winning games for the Thunder. So, I mean, I'm ready for this game. This is going to be a hype game. A lot of, like I said, it's, it's a lot of talk on Twitter right now. Who are you taking between Job versus Shea? So, this probably uh, shut a lot of haters and, and, and competitors up. So, I'm, I'm ready for this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've definitely seen that, too. I know uh, Through the Wire podcast with Kenny Beecham. Uh, shout out to those guys. They do really good stuff, too. And I know they put something out about it. I think they were talking about it, too. So it's 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 been a storyline that we've kind of seen. Uh, and it's it's good to kind of see stuff like that. I, I like it just to see uh, where people kind of rank jog against other players. I mean, we see him compared to all the best players in the league, basically, at this time. And I mean, hey, Shea's a great player to be compared to Ja. I don't think it's disrespectful at all or anything. Like, I think he's a great player. Uh, but yeah. Before we kind of close, Xavier, just tell people where they can find you and some of the content content and stuff that you've been doing. Yeah, so you can follow me on my personal socials at my Twitter is Zaytime Takes. And then you can check my TikTok out at underscore XA. I do a lot of basketball analysis, breakdown, unbiased. It's not just all Grizzlies. It's really all 30 teams. And then be sure to check out the Core 4 podcast, a, a part of a GBB. Uh, that's the podcast I'm included in with my with my co-hosts Matt Gill and Dave Buckler. We dropping content just about we drop content every week as well. So yeah, 
yeah for sure definitely check those guys out a really great show uh always a lot of fun conversations uh over there on the core four as well uh but thank you guys for listening to this episode of the next gen podcast we'll see y'all again next week for lots more grizzlies coverage